Hi everyone, welcome to the Inspirited Politics podcast, focused on exploring and inspiring innovation in politics. My name is Sitara Edward and I'm the founder of Inspirited Politics. In this series, we talk about unleashing the potential in politics to create a positive impact on our society for the long term. I speak to guests from inside and outside the political arena, asking them to shine their light on conscious innovation in politics. Today I'll be talking to Frank Weyers about deep democracy in politics. Frank believes in a world where everyone can live their life fully, while at the same time contributing to the greater good. He is a well-known process supervisor, trainer and speaker in the Netherlands, especially regarding deep democracy, conflict, diversity and inclusion. I've gotten to know him as a warm, accessible person with a generous heart. Welcome, Frank. And thank you for joining me during your holidays as well. We normally speak Dutch together, but today we have agreed on speaking English. So um, that will be just welcome. Thank you. I want to open this interview with a question that we actually ask all our guests on the podcast. We've just had the general UN assembly in New York, and it's always every year in September. And uh, I want you to just imagine that you are invited for the next UN General Assembly, where you can address all 193 nations. And the agenda is about unleashing the potential in politics. You have been invited to share your inner wisdom. What would be the topic you choose to speak on, Frank? Oh, that's, that's a very nice question. And it's, it would be a great honor to do it. Well, the, the topic I would choose is dialogue. And um, dialogue in the sense that we can hear all the voices and all the voices can be expressed. And I want to address this topic because I think it's, well, on one hand, it's a very important topic. And on the other hand, there's really a lack of it. And when we look around us in our world, There's so much debate, there's so much polarization and so little real dialogue. So I think to, to, well, to improve connectedness in this world, we really need more dialogue. So that would be my topic. Do you think there's a reason why there is a lack of dialogue well, now? Yeah, I think we're, we are not very good in disagreeing with each other in a connected way. When we disagree with each another, well, we, we do it in a very disconnected way. And what we do is actually when we, when we have a different opinion than someone else, we frame the other instead of really listening and trying to connect from um, the different perspectives. So I'm, I think it's, it's, Well, it, I think it's, it's necessary to, to have real good dialogues. And actually, I think small children should learn this at school when they're four or five years old, instead of seeing all these adults around us in this world, um, not being able to, to have different perspectives and have a good dialogue about it. Uh, well, I couldn't agree more. So I'm so happy you have brought this up. So dialogue would be the topic to, to discuss. 
that might be just also a nice link. You specialize in deep democracy. I invited you, especially on the podcast, to talk on that as well. Can you just shortly tell us, you know, what is deep democracy about and how does it also link to dialogue? Well, deep democracy is it's, it's a philosophy and it's a, a method that actually comes from an American scientist, Arnold Mindell. He, he, he developed a lot of thoughts about process work. And process work is, uh, well, how people get along with each other, um, how they talk to each other, listen to each other, and what happens in interaction between people. Myrna and Greg Lewis, two South Africans, have transferred his ideas into a method. And the method is all about hearing all the voices, taking care that everything that needs to be said really can be said. So how to create a safe environment for all to speak out freely and how we are able to really hear all the voices, not only the majority voices, but also the minority voices. If we can do that, if we really can do that, we are able to disagree with each other in a connected way. And if we can disagree in a connected way, we are able to take really inclusive decisions in groups. And with inclusive decisions, I mean decisions that include not only the wisdom of the majority, but also the wisdom of the minority. So we really can hear all the voices. And if we look around in the world at this moment, well, what we can see is that majority voices that are expressed loudly are heard, but minority voices, it's, it's very hard to hear them. And are you saying that if all voices are heard, so at least everybody could voice their opinion, that contributes to a, a more solid solution in stepping forward? Is that is that what happens within the process? Absolutely. It's, it's not only that we get better solutions because we use all the wisdom, the wisdom of majority and minority, um, but everyone <clears throat> stays attached. And I think that's very important. We, we all stay connected because if we do only what the majority wants, the minority, um, we're losing them. We're not only losing the wisdom in their voices, but we also lose the people who are expressing the minority voices. And do you know, I know you have worked in politics. Do, we, do you think we can apply this principle in politics as well? Oh, yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> I think, well, sometimes I give the example of really bad conversations, really <laughs> bad dialogue. And the, 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 the worst kind of dialogue you actually see in the political arena where, um, well, where people are sitting and having their own opinions, having different opinions, differences between political parties. And it's, it's quite good that there are differences. But what is not so good is that the people in the political arena are always speaking from a kind of monopoly on the truth. And um, so they're not expressing their opinion, but they're expressing their opinion as if it's the truth, as if that's the only way to look at reality. 
And if we keep on doing this, we can't hear the other voices. So it's extremely important that in the political arena, we are going to have an, a new kind of dialogue where we really can express our voices. And I think that's not really the problem in the political arena. But the, the real problem is that we um, stop having a monopoly on the truth. And um, that means that we are able to express ourselves and at the same time be completely open to other opinions. Okay, and I, I suppose, at least in Western society, that's not actually even how the arena works at this moment. Everybody is just there mainly to give their opinion, right? That's absolutely true. Um, for example, a recent example for me is that I worked with the, the city council of Almelo, a city in uh, the eastern part of the Netherlands. Um, in this city council, there are 35 people 35 people divided over 15 different political parties. So try to imagine how scattered this field is. I was there to work with them a couple of nights just over the issue of how can we relate in a better way to each other. They were really speaking from their own monopolies on the truth and were not being able to hear other voices, hear other opinions, hear other perspectives so that's what we worked on and I think it's 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 really very important when when well when you imagine this city council of 35 people so divided um, they're getting nowhere and they they should have an interest in common and the interest in common they have despite their differences but the interest in common is the city where they are the city council for Okay, so they actually lose track of the common interest because everybody is so focused on their party interest. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, With absolutely. As a result that nothing is being achieved in the council for the greater good, for the, for the whole um, municipality that they were elected for. Yes, it's absolutely true. So I think if, if people gather together in a city council... There are two, two things. There, is, there are the differences in views, and that's good. That makes it rich if you have a good dialogue. And at the same time, despite the differences, we have a job to do together in the city council for our own city. And what I see in Almelo, but also in other cities here in the Netherlands, it's, it's not so different in other cities, is that there is quite a stress on the differences and not on what they have in common. So I think what is important that they really learn to listen to each other and not go into debates all the time. That's, I think that's the main thing. The, that's, it's interesting. When I worked with the city council in, in Almelo, when I started, I said, we're going to do something very different than usual. We're not going to have a debate, but we are going to have a dialogue. And that means that when someone is speaking, the other are listening. So it's, it's actually so basic. And how do you get people to listen again? Because you are making it sound very, very normal. Yeah. Um, and yet in everyday life, 
I mean, actually, I would even think at a lot of our family tables, listening is not something that we are trained to do or that we do automatically. So what would you advise for people to be able to become good listeners? Well, actually, it's very simple. I totally agree with what you say. We are not used to really have dialogue. So what we do when we are gathered together in small groups or larger groups is that we interrupt each other all the time. So someone is speaking and halfway the sentence, someone else is giving his opinion and uh, halfway uh, uh, his sentence, someone else is giving her opinion. And so it goes on and on and we don't really listen to each other. So what I try to arrange in a situation like in Almelo is that when we start the conversation, I say, well, le let's try it out. When someone is speaking, all the others are silent. So one person at a time is speaking. It's so basic, actually. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's actually insulting that we, we have to pay attention to it. But it's so necessary to do it because, well, we, we see it now that the worst example was a debate between Donald Trump and, uh, and Biden. Yeah. Um, we've seen how terrible this was. They, they are not able to listen to each other even for 10 seconds. It's, no. it's so terrible. Yeah. Can you see that something shifts if, if you ask people to be silent for a while and listen? Yes. Um, well, what I can see in the meetings we've had is that there, there really is a, a shift. It's not a big shift. It's a, a, a small shift, a little shift. Um, and they, what is necessary that they pay attention to it on, in the long run. So not only during the sessions I have with them, but that they practice it all the time. And well, I'm not very optimistic in that respect that people are going to do that. So they really need to pay attention to, well, be, be very alert on having their dialogues in this way. Really hear all the voices, um, let all the voices be expressed, have no monopoly on the truth. It's important to work on it in, in, in the long run. So not only during these sessions, but pay attention to it in their, well, in their normal gatherings. Yeah, so it shouldn't just be a trick, but it's something that should be continuous. Absolutely. It should be in their, well, actually in their DNA to do it in another way. Yeah. Yeah. And what's in it for people if they listen? Because I believe if people don't know it, you we need to make it attractive for them, right? So what's in it for them? What is there to gain? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. If, if, if we do that, if we really speak freely in a group, if we can speak freely and we can really listen with open hearts to other voices, to other perspectives, we can use the full potential of the group that's what we don't do in, in the situations um, that I have seen here. What happens usually, we stay stuck in our own monopolies on the truth and we don't hear the other perspectives. So we cannot enrich our own perspectives with the perspectives of others. So if we really want to use the full potential of the group, we need to be able to 
well, really listen to all these different perspectives, yeah, then, then we can really use the whole full potential of the group. Yeah, so then actually one and one would become three. Absolutely, in, yeah. In, in that yeah. sense. Um, yeah. Wow, okay. Can you, do you have any examples of uh, where you have seen dialogue being successful within politics or in a political arena? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I recently did a project in Amsterdam, the, the group of the major and uh, the eldermen of the council. They organize sessions where um, each time one of the eldermen or the mayor um, was having a dialogue with a group of citizens. And the group of citizens was randomly get together. So uh, there were people from men, women, young, old, Dutch, not Dutch, um, from all over the cities, from different parts of the city. They gathered together in nine different meetings with eight aldermen and with the mayor. And we really had some good dialogue there. So they, they did this project because they said, well, democracy needs to be something more than going once every four years to an election and elect the people you want to elect, and that's it. That's not democracy. Democracy is really inviting the people, the citizens from Amsterdam, to sp speak out and to listen to each other, and for the elderman and the mayor to listen to the voices, the different voices of the citizens of their city. And... That happened in these nine meetings, and I'm, I'm really quite optimistic about the output of these meetings. I think the output of the meetings was that the mayor and elderman um, really used the new ideas that were shared during these meetings in developing new policy for the city. I think that was a really good example of how you can do it in a different way. Okay, and I'm intrigued because earlier you were saying, you know, in politics, we are so used to just sticking to our own point of view. What made it possible for everyone to listen in these meetings? What made it possible for and the citizens and the mayor to just be open to whatever the other was saying? Well, I think one of the magic things of it, it, it has to do with culture. If you put people together in a city council, the culture in a city council is to stand up for your opinion, to stand up for the opinion of your political party and hold on to it. And here people were invited on a different basis. So they were not invited uh, as people from political parties, but just as normal citizens of the city of Amsterdam. And They were there together to, well, really with the intention to share their perspectives and hear the other perspectives. So I think it's, it's, it's a matter of culture. That's, that's a difficult thing in the political arena to change this culture. Because, but it, it can be done. You can see in these meetings that it can be done. It really can be done. Yeah, and that's, I know we both share the same passion to achieve this as well more in the political arena. So in that sense, I, I absolutely believe what you're saying is if we show people that way, how you can have this dialogue with a different intention, it's enriching for all parties. 
Absolutely, yeah. And I think what helped in these meetings was we, we were slowing down, actually. So we were not in a rush. We were sitting there and having these dialogues in, well, in, in a slower, more comfortable way, um, being, yeah, being comfortable with, with, with silence, with, um, with, with really listening to what other people had to bring up. That's interesting because are you saying that sometimes the pace also makes a difference for a dialogue? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it, if you want to have a good dialogue, you need to take some time for it. And that means, and you, you see it in, in, in politics, but you see it also in, in all kinds of other organizations. People gather together and they have one hour or one and a half hour and they really have to discuss all these different topics in this, this short period. So they're all in a rush. They come in in a rush. They talk with each other in a rush and they leave in a rush again. So I think it's, it's extremely important that people slow down, that we take time to really talk about what we need to talk about and take time to listen to other opinions. Okay, yeah, it's a challenge probably for people, but I do think there's a valuable key there as well. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely, it's a huge challenge, I think. So what I notice in, in, in my work is uh, so many people gathering together in groups, in teams, in, in organizations, whatever, and um, the, the underlying dynamics, well, most of the time is, we are in a rush. We don't have too much time. We have to finish this agenda, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Instead of considering together what is really important to discuss now, what is really important to have a dialogue upon, and how do we gather all the different insights together so we have a collective insight that is richer? Yeah, I believe very much that sometimes you need to slow down to speed up. Just the yeah. slowing down sometimes gives totally different and also richer insights for yourself. How would you advise us all to slow down more? What's the magic pill for that? Well, yeah, there, it's good you say it. There actually is a magic pill for it. <laughs> and the, the magic is in... When you, when you gather together as a group, and you can do that in the political arena as well, um, when you gather together, you don't start with your meeting immediately, but you start with what we call in deep democracy a check-in. And a check-in is that we sit in a circle so we can see each other and all of us can see all the other ones. And there are two or three questions in the middle. At least one of these questions is about the emotional states of all the participants. So a question like, how do you feel? How is it to be here? Um, what, what are you looking for? What are, uh, what's the purpose for you today? Do you like to be here? Or are there reasons you don't want to be here? So questions like that, referring to the emotional state of people. And on the other hand, a question like, what is important for you in this meeting? What, okay. What's really important for you in this meeting? And what we do is with actually with two simple rules. First rule we call popcorn. 
using the popcorn method, and it means we we talk when we want to talk. So we don't do it in a row, but when someone feels the urge to say something, well, he starts talking. And the second rule, um, we we call it sharing and dumping. And that means if someone is taking the word in the check-in, he or she is sharing what he or she wants to share and dumping it. We are not going to react on each other. So there's not going to be a dialogue in the check-in, but it's really sharing and dumping. So one person at a time is speaking, all the others are listening. And I think if we start meetings in this way, it's a way of slowing down. We don't immediately get into the contents. But what we do is very important. So we make a connection emotionally and we make a connection on the contents of what we're going to do. And from there, we can easily get the dialogue we want to get afterwards. So I'm, I'm a great fan of starting with check-ins to slow down. And the slowing down, just as you said, is meant to, well, to make more speed afterwards. So it looks like slowing down, but actually it's speeding up. It's great. It's a great tip for our listeners immediately, you know, just to start a next meeting in this way. And uh, if they look up, you have written some wonderful um, practical books also on this topic. So uh, I would definitely recommend our listeners to look you up. Uh, because you have some wonderful exercises how to do this. And this is just such a simple way to uh, have different meetings as well and also reduce stress, I believe. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Time is going fast, Frank, and I still feel there is so much to talk about, yet we are also coming to the end of this conversation. Uh, is there anything on deep democracy you feel like, you know, you haven't mentioned yet that is important uh, for the listeners to also um, be aware of? Well, I think that, that what is important is that if people gather together and they want to do something together, that they speak out loud what, are, what is their common interest and where are the differences. So that we really know in, in diverse groups, and every group is diverse. Really, every group is diverse. If you set two people together, there are differences between these two people. But at the same time, these two people have something in common. And I think it's, it's, it's of huge importance that we learn to recognize the differences and what we have in common. The differences and what we have in common. That's so important. And if we learn to deal with, with, with that, we can really have better dialogues. Yeah, and that's beautiful. I remember one of my trainers many, many years ago saying that every person you encounter, you can always find one thing that you have in common if you want to. And uh, there's a wonderful key yeah. there because we are so used and trained in life to first see the differences instead of looking also for the similarities. So thank you for reminding me also of that, um, Frank. Okay, you're welcome. I would like to finish with a closing question that we ask um, all, all the people who participate. Um, is when I started in spirited politics, uh, one of the first crazy ideas that came to my mind was, you know, what would happen if all political meetings would start just with a moment of stillness, also to slow down, perhaps. 
and inviting everybody to be able to align their thoughts with, you know, their gut emotions and their inner wisdom from their heart. And that felt like a far stretch. Um, but I do believe that if we have dreams, they can be accomplished. So what would be your wildest dream for the field of politics? Well, and just a, saying you would have a magic yeah. wand. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice one. Well, I, actually, I would repeat what I just said. So um, to start a meeting, start every meeting, whether you are with two people or 200 or, or everything in between, um, always start with a check-in. Always start with a check-in. Take time to check in with each other to make connection on an emotional level, to make connection on the contents and then start your dialogue. So that w I think that would be great to do it. So yeah, that's, that's it as far great. as I'm concerned. Thank you. We are making a list and um, hopefully some of these ideas would really come into practice in the years um, to come. Okay, that's great. <laughs> Thank you, Frank, very much for your time, especially now in your holidays and also for your input. Um, I really enjoyed talking um, to you and I hope our audience did as well. Uh, for any further information, I would like to refer everybody to our website, inspiritedpolitics.com. You can also find information on Frank um, there. And thank you very much once again for your time, um, Frank, today. You're very welcome. It was a great pleasure. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.